It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to some of the events that are going to be moving markets and certainly providing talking points over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means looking at how Britain rates in Donald Trump's trade affections. Are we really in danger of maxing our credit? And finally, we find out whether Alexa really is the perfect Christmas gift. I'm joined in the studio by Alexandra Freen, business columnist, Tom Knowles, our economics correspondent, and on the line from New York, James Dean, the Times US business editor. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. Uh, James, let me start with you. Uh, we mentioned there about where Britain might rate in uh, Donald Trump's trade affections. We know a little bit more than we did, thanks largely to YouTube, which uh, Donald Trump took to. Here's a clip from what he said just recently. My agenda will be based on a simple core principle, putting America first. Whether it's producing steel, building cars, or curing disease, I want the next generation of production and innovation to happen right here on our great homeland, America, creating wealth and jobs for American workers. As part of this plan, I've asked my transition team to develop a list of executive actions we can take on day one to restore our laws and bring back our jobs. It's about time. James. Uh, lots of fine words there. We've heard a lot about these uh, day one priorities and some of them relating to trade. As we mentioned before, could Britain benefit, in fact, from a Trump presidency from what we know so far? Uh, it's quite possible, actually. It's quite possible that the timing is just about right on this front. What, what, what's interesting is something that um, Stephen Mnuchin said in an interview uh, with CNBC. Recently. That's the new Treasury uh, Stephen Secretary. Mnuchin, yeah. That's right. That's the new US Treasury Secretary. Elect. Um, absolutely. Who will be soon the new Treasury Secretary, or unless something very odd happens between now and January when uh, Mr. Trump obviously takes office. He said in an interview with Steve, uh, CNBC, this is Stephen Mnuchin, uh, that um, he's, quite, he's a very strong believer in bilateral trade deals. So this is a kind of shift away from negotiating with blocks. Um, and as you probably can uh, draw from that straight away, is that post-Brexit Britain will be negotiating bilateral trade deals quite a lot. And this uh, this stance could help if it um, brings about a deal quicker with the US. Um, so yes, it's potentially, uh, potentially good news for Britain there. But obviously, the devil will be in the detail. And we know very little more at the moment. Yes, I think that, you know, Donald Trump has already made some very positive comments uh, about uh, relations between the, the, the US and the UK in terms of trade. And I think he will be seeking as many friends as he can find when he enters into this whole issue of bilateral trade agreements, if indeed he does go ahead and tear up all the trade agreements, he says that he will. But I think he'll need to be very careful because as he says more and more things, 
things to appease Vladimir Putin. And as he snuggles up more and more to Vladimir Putin, I think he's going to have to think about how his trading partners see that. And you know, this is where, you know, being president isn't just about, it's, it's not just this sort of one issue, you know, job. He's going to have to become subtle. He's going to have to take account of all of these things. And, and I do think Russia is going to be a very interesting um, test of his foreign relations. And thus spilling over into the markets and the economy, I think presumably. They, I, th- I think, you know, he's going to have to be very careful. What's interesting about the markets at the moment, though, is that equity markets really rallied on this Trump presidency. They've decided that, you know, because he's going to massively, apparently, boost infrastructure and borrow lots, then uh, they're, they're sort of thinking that this is all good, despite not sort of seeming to factor in the huge inflation that might happen later. And also the OECD has now said, have revised up their world growth based on Trump's policies that haven't even been enacted yet. So I think there's a lot of guesswork here that, that might prove to be wrong. I think we, and that's a good point as well, because I don't know if, if you remember back to um, before uh, election night, there were these um, forecasts of doom and gloom, you know, people forecasting 5% falls in the S&P 500, Dow Jones, all of, all of the kind of major US indexes if Trump was elected president. So what we had overnight during the election were those falls priced in before the markets opened. What we've had since then are record close after record close in the US. So yeah, the forecasts were absolutely wrong, we have to say. And um, it's certainly for equity markets at the moment, it's um, things are still booming. I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I think it just shows what I always say is that nobody knows anything, uh, least of all us. But it's just so interesting to see what's happened to consumer confidence, what's happened to the equity markets. You know, the bottom hasn't fallen out like so many people uh, said they would. However, now we are beginning to see people crunching the numbers behind the policies. There's an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal recently about Trump's infrastructure plans, which we discussed on this podcast uh, very recently. And, And once you run the numbers, it looks slightly less exciting, you know, Trump wants to fund a lot of the road projects, for example, with road tolls. If people are spending money on road tolls, they're not spending that same money on other things. So th- there's still uh, lots of unknowns and still lots of big questions of whether he will be able to raise the capital that he says he will from the private sector um, to, to complete his infrastructure spending, which is a major plank of his plans. James, this I mean, Tom's alluded to, to these record. I think the Dow from memory is something like its 16th record closed this year. I mean, just briefly, your thoughts on is this sustainable given, in fact, that this isn't volatile trading to the extent that there's not many shares changing hands? I mean, recently it's been seven or eight billion a day changing hands in US markets, which is actually above the normal average. So there is an appetite for market investments. Do you think that will continue? It's it's hard to say. I think I think at the moment we've reached a level where all of the kind of positivity over the Trump plans has been priced in. I mean, as I said before, with his plans for trade deals and and, and his advisors' plans for trade deals, the devil is going to be in the detail, and and, and we just still don't know enough. We're not going to know enough until as he says, he puts his uh, big projects to work on day one. Certainly at the moment, I think things have flattened out a bit since the, uh, the kind of roaring start, the, t- the first two weeks after the election on uh, the 8th of November. Uh, and I think now everyone's waiting for the detail and whether that means whether that means more gains or losses, hard to say at the moment. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move on now and uh, take a look. Mark Carney, the Bank of England governor, he's been back in the headlines again and uh, probably not for the reasons he wants to be. He's been 
calling on Theresa May's government to let business know more clearly about its Brexit plan as soon as possible. Well, that rather overshadowed what he had to say about debt, credit and housing after stress tests on banks. Here's what he had to say at the time about those matters. At the same time, with no apparent change to their job security and with credit available and cheap, consumers are drawing down their savings and borrowing for the first time since the crisis. These developments reinforce vulner existing vulnerabilities from high and rising UK household indebtedness. To guard against such risks, the FPC has therefore agreed to maintain the recommendation it made in June 2014 on owner-occupied mortgage underwriting standards. These will help ensure that underwriting standards don't slip from responsible to reckless as they have during past periods of consumption-led growth. Tom, reassuring? <laughs> well, I mean, Mark Carney knows better than me, but I, I feel that, um, yes, OK, unsecured credit uh, borrowing is an 11-year high, uh, the annual rate of growth that we're seeing. But, you know, this was after six years or so of, of people hardly drawing on, on their savings at all and hardly borrowing at all. Um, so I think I think it's good. I think we need more of this. We, we should, you know, this is what fuels the economy. So um, I, I think he's, he's, he's sort of over doing it a bit, perhaps. Spend, 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 Alex. Well, you know, borrowing has its role in all of our lives. And it's not just because people are borrowing doesn't necessarily uh, mean a bad thing. Sometimes it makes perfect sense, particularly when interest rates are low. And I think Tom is right. I think the fears have been overdone. And, you know, Tom says very modestly that Mark Carney knows better than him. But we all know that's not true because he gets everything wrong. Yes, I mean, I heard he often rings Tom for advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every other day. He was sad when James Dean moved over to America. He felt it was a bit of a betrayal. James, over there, I mean, credit, is, is it such a big deal in America, do you find, or are they not quite parlour state as we might be? Uh, I have to be totally honest, I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> on this, I know very little. Well, tell me this, that's absolutely fine, because I actually wanted to move on slightly and have a look at some of the personal... We mentioned uh, just there that Mark Carney had, uh, if you like, people had taken it back into the headlines that he was uh, uh, he was criticised indeed for taking on the government asking for business uh, plans to be made clear about Brexit. In America there is some talk isn't there that Janet Yellen might not even see out her full term as US Federal Reserve Chairwoman under a Trump presidency. What, what's the feeling now? Um, I think at the moment the feeling is that she probably will see out her term. I mean, I think Donald Trump's uh, and his his team has made it quite clear that they're uh, they, they're not looking for you know not looking for her to stay on any further, which is obviously the opposite of the case with. Um, the British government and Mark Carney, they did want him to stay on. But um, the amount of bad feeling between uh, Trump and Yellen is certainly high enough to, I mean, if I was her, I'd not be wanting to stay on any further. He's undermined her at every point he possibly could along the way in his campaign. Although, although as with some people, and as he did with Hillary Clinton after the um, after the election result was clear, he kind of, he was a bit nicer to them. But um, we haven't seen any evidence of that so far, I don't think. I think it's quite interesting, this, this sort of uh, growing debate about where central bankers should uh, put their policies and, and what when they should speak out and or not. You know, some say that central bankers should just every inflation report speak to the press and that's it and nothing in between and just get on with their job. Whereas Carney obviously sees it as his responsibility to say, I think this is a risk. I think you should do this. And I think that that argument is only going to increase. And it will be really interesting to see whether whoever his replacement is, whether they sort of continue with Carney's mantle of speaking out or whether, you know, maybe the government tells them to be a bit more quiet. Who knows? The, the 
the problem with that approach is when Janet Yellen came uh, to be chair of the Federal Reserve, you know, she supposedly was going to usher in this new era of openness. You know, Ben Bernanke never said anything, even at press conferences. You know, he hardly even moved his facial muscles. And, you know, Yellen came and she, we were going to have this openness. But because she's so cautious, knowing that everything she said could be could move the markets she spoke in code the whole time so we had this ridiculous situation where she didn't actually say anything words came out of her mouth but it didn't it they were often very very you know ambivalent and so what you'd get was the markets would second guess everything and uh, it ended up being i think quite counterproductive i think if you're going to be open you actually have to do what mark carney's done and be put it out there and say what you think in like real words and not try and you know dance around using euphemisms it, it also saves us from having to write 600 words of yelling essentially saying nothing i know i know you went through a lot of many articles. many times <laughs> and you're learning james yeah i'm learning the hard way yeah. yeah well at least it wasn't alan greenspan he made it uh, made it his life's work to be obfuscating we're going to take a short break now and when we return we'll be looking at some of the wackier ideas around for this christmas the times business podcast is sponsored by vodafone's ready business britain 2016 has been branded the year of the sme this is your year time for your business to stand out are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insights and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Now, of all the Christmas gifts I've come across, certainly, this is perhaps one of the strangest. Eloise, dinner in five. Okay. Alexa, tell me about the Amazon Echo. Amazon Echo is a device designed around your voice that can provide information, music, news, weather and more. OK, cool. Alexa, how many teaspoons in a tablespoon? One tablespoon equals three teaspoons. Alexa, put on my Saturday playlist. Playing your Saturday playlist. Alexa, volume up. Alexa, who is this? This is Weekend by the King. Finally, I probably end up asking Alexa who I am. Alex, let me start with you. Alexa, I mean, would it be a sensible Christmas gift? Well, I have an Alexa. You do? And I would definitely oh. consider buying it for people. It's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's a speaker. It's about the size of a wine bottle. It sits on your counter and, uh, it's you know, it's operated by a voice user interface. What's interesting is that this is going to be how we interact with our computers and the digital world in future. We're not going to be having using touch screens. We will eventually do everything through voice control. And um, Amazon gave me my uh, Alexa to use. They rang me up and said, would you like one of these? And I said, no, I don't take free stuff. Don't want it. Uh, I'll try it out and then I'll give it back to you. But now that I've tried it out, I really don't want to give it back because it's such a great thing. This, it plays music with a really good sound quality. I use it to... Um, I ask it the weather in the morning. I play the radio on it. I just walk in in the morning, go, Alexa, turn on Radio 4. It turns on Radio 4. When I'm cooking dinner, I'll say, Alexa, play me some Charlie Parker and it'll come up with a nice compilation of music for you. It's totally superfluous and unnecessary, but a lovely thing to have. And my favourite thing of all is as I'm leaving the house with bags in my arms and I can just sort of uh, throw my head back and go, Alexa, turn the radio off as I walk out the door and it closes down. Do you ever and say goodbye, Alexa? 
No, you have to, to say Alexa first okay. or it won't what, respond. What if there's someone in the family called Alexa? You can, can you change the name? I asked them that because I'm Alex and I thought it might be an issue. You can change it to Fred or whatever. But can I, you call it any name? I think you can, that? but I actually don't know how you do that. I, the, one of the things about it is very... There's no buttons on it. It's all through voice control. It's very, very easy to set up. It took me about 30 seconds. You put the app on your iPhone and then you pair it and you're away. Do you need smart other devices, though? I mean, does it only work if you've got, like, a smart oven or hive for your heating and, and that kind of thing? To get the maximum use out of it, you do need smart devices, and I don't have any smart devices, but I'm told that I can buy smart light bulbs that can connect with it. So what, once I've just got... keep burning? No, well, you put them in and then you, you connect them to Alexa. And so I could, once I've done that, say, Alexa, turn the light on. Turning the light on is not a very arduous task. So right. It's well, so lazy, isn't it? It is lazy, <laughs> but it's lovely. And it's, it works really well. And it is fun just to ask it questions, you know, as we heard on that clip, how many teaspoons in a tablespoon. So, Alexa, is James Dean still on the line from New York? I am. I was just about to chip in and say how um, there's a lot more people out here use Alexa than I seem to remember before I came out a few months ago. They seem to put them to use quite a lot. I was, stay I was staying at a friend's house and uh, I was staying in the spare room and I heard these kind of mumblings in the morning. And um, it's just one guy on his own. I thought he was talking to himself, but he did actually have an Alexa in his room and he was asking it similar things to Alex, actually. What's the weather? Can you turn the radio on? Play this on Spotify? All these sorts of things. So I kind of had a go on it. I was quite impressed. Um, I think, think the thing I was most impressed with is that with, 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 say, for example, Siri on the iPhone or Google Now on Android phones, um, you still don't see people wandering around talking to their phones. I mean, you don't really see it do it even in private to be honest it's seen as a kind of novelty whereas i think for some reason when people when people have this alexa device they feel much more com comfortable talking to it I, I don't know why that is maybe because they don't feel they're talking to an object they're not whole well he dropped kind oh, of where's the ether in this machine's picking it up oh, yeah, yeah i wondered where alexa where's alexa when you need her we're back on we're back online aren't we james we're back here yeah good so even um, Alex, you had a point. Well, I do have a point, and you know, I think what what Alexa has done, and Google's got a similar product called Home, which I don't think is available yet in the UK, but is in the states. It's a pretty rubbish name. And, Home. Well, also Google got into trouble because initially they were going to say that to activate it you had to say OK, and that annoyed people. Apparently, people much rather say a name. But but here's the deal: what what these devices have shown is that that the tech companies can make. Uh, voice user interfaces work. They're very, very good. They, they very rarely don't understand you. And that's a big leap because this is going to be how we interact with our machines. The question is, when we start doing that, where do the advertisers get a look in? You know, on, on search on your phone or on your laptop, on your PC, they can show display ads. They haven't quite figured out how the advertisers are going to get a look in once we're doing everything through voice control. And that will be very interesting to see how the industry solves that problem. I'm sure they will. They always do. But um, right now, nobody really knows the answer to that question. All right. Well, thank you all very much. It makes me a little bit nervous, actually. I mean, goodness me, they'll get a robot in here. Voice-activated robot to do the podcast next. And then what will I do? Dear, oh dear. Plenty of time to think about that, though. Thank you all very much. And that's it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all the news and analysis online, on your phone, on your tablet, or indeed through Alexa. Goodness me, that's enough plugs. And don't forget the paper, of course. If you're a subscriber, sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. And if you would like to become one, go to thetimes.co.uk. We've got some special offers there. 
If you want to hear us weekly, please do subscribe through iTunes and do feel free to post your comments. We'd love to hear from you. My thanks to Alexandra Freen, Tom Knowles, and of course, in New York, James Dean. They're on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.